I'm Chris Nessie, host of Behind the Mic, Voices of the EPN, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, I recently was interviewed by Chris Nessie, the founder of EPN. EPN is the Education Podcast Network. He has a podcast called The House of Ed Tech on there, and he also has his podcast called Behind the Mic. Behind the Mic is where he interviews the other podcasters on EPN. That's right. He uh, talks to us about, uh, you know, why we made the podcast, why we stuck with it, what happened along the way, what equipment we use, what we learned that uh, from mistakes and what we learned from just by doing. And uh, it's pretty cool. And you get to hear from all of us. So uh, good stuff. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, I hope you go sh- listen to it as well as share it with a friend. That'd be so cool. Thanks. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Ryan Ross. Ryan is the CEO and founder of Olivia Technologies. Our focus is providing access to digital content for your students who, because of their location, do not have access. Great focus. Awesome talk. So much to learn. Thanks for listening. And oh, by the way, it'd be so cool if you went to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews and uh, left a review. Could you do that for me? You are so awesome. Enjoy the show you know, 40% of students don't have access to viable broadband. And, and, and it really was a eye opener to me. And so we looked at developing a platform that doesn't require broadband to deliver digital resources. Once that thought came together, we realized we could do this and we can do it inexpensively and we can do it for every student across the U.S., it's the Education Podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Milletto. Ryan Ross is a determined, innovative, and productive professional with a proven track record in ed tech, emerging fintech, and Wi-Fi edge technologies, as well as early-stage sales and business development. With his impressive skills and experience, Ryan has also secured a patent in his field. He is highly motivated by new and emerging technologies and stays ahead of the curve in his field. Ryan's in-depth knowledge of go-to-market strategies is impressive. He has extensive experience in Internet of Things edge content, advertising, and services for transit, retail, and enterprise solutions, as well as payment transactions and point-of-sale infrastructure. Ryan is also well-versed in biometric payments, recurring payments, B2B commerce, and consumer e-commerce services. His exceptional knowledge and ability to deliver revenue and customers make him a valuable asset in strategic thinking and execution, ultimately leading to success. Ryan's specialties include business development, strategic partnerships, reseller, and alliances, making him a a versatile and well-rounded professional. This knowledge base, along with the ability to deliver customers and revenue, provides a level of strategic thinking and execution that leads to success. Ryan is the founder and CEO, as well as a board member of Olivia Technologies, and that's our focus today. Ryan, thanks so much for being on the show, and say hi to everyone. Well, Stephen, first, thank you for inviting me to the show. I'm really looking forward to sharing the Olivia story and how we can impact, uh, you know, a very large uh, population of students that struggle to get access to digital resources. And so I really appreciate the opportunity and the time and 
in, in looking forward to this conversation. Hey, all right, Ryan. I, I read in your bio, he is highly motivated by new and emerging technologies and stays ahead of the curve in his field. What emerging technologies have your attention and why? You know, this is a great question, Stephen, because technology is evolving uh, every day in, in all aspects. And so, you know, when you look at uh, school district superintendents, the IT uh, staff, you know, this is a real struggle to try to figure out where to spend your time and resources. And I think when you look at what's trending in the industry, of course, AI is on the top of that list, right? And AI is such a fascinating and scary technology all at the same time. And so I think when I'm looking at that landscape, it's all about how you create efficiencies with technology, right? Reducing the time it takes to do something with better outcomes. And so nobody cares about technology, to be frank. They care about how well your iPhone works and, and, and does it do something you know that I want it to do, and you don't think about how it works. And that's the way technology should be for most people, other than the people that have to create it and support it. So you know, my focus is around making technology the background noise and, and looking at how you focus in on the user experience and delivering those experiences that, that are meaningful for the folks that it's designed for in that space. That's so cool because, you know, it's because you're, you're right. There's really most of us, all we're worried about is if I push the button, does the button do what it's supposed to do, right? <laughs> and, uh, and as opposed to right now, there's something about an Apple iPhone that I do that makes all my apps. It suddenly asks me, do you really want to delete all these apps? You know, it's like, no, what is it? Yeah. Where did that come from? Exactly. It's like, who put that shortcut into this phone, especially on mine? It's like, I, you know, <laughs> I'm wondering the same thing. Uh, I, I run into that problem very frequently. <laughs> so. I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. I, I have to say this because there's a, there's a commercial out right now for Apple Watch. I'm not sponsored by them, by the way. It's anybody listening. So um, <laughs> this is not a, this is not a subtle placement of an ad or something. Um, but they're snapping their fingers to turn things off and on. And I'm like, yeah, that you know they're they're pulling them together, you know, and I'm like that's not a good thing for me cuz suddenly uh, I'll do some combination of it and it would delete everything or something, you know, like <laughs> you know, nice. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that's, oh, that's that's, that's so cool what you're uh, what you're talking about because there's so much stuff happening now. And I mean in the last bunch of years, I mean I I it's hard to imagine what it would be like. I mean, and I, and I can because in my field, you talk to young people all the time who are coming into the field of education who, you know, they've grown up with all this technology and where it's going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas, you know, I, I remember really being excited about the giant speakers um, my stepbrother and I used to have that we would place out there. So when we had to chop wood or work outside in the yard, we'd put his giant speakers and, and blast some music and have a, you know, you don't need those giant speakers anymore. I just, I just need my phone and a nice little Bose. Yeah, I can, I can be making way more music and driving the neighbors just as crazy now, you know, um, without all that, it's it's pretty cool. Now I do have to say this before we go any further, but talking about emerging technologies, it's really nice though, that, uh, you know, some of the newer generations have decided that the LP is the way to go. So I just said, (laughs) I still have some nice, we can play. We can play them up anytime. There you go. I like so that. yeah, I mean, if you look at the, you know, it, to this point, I think you and I are about the same age, and I can remember, you know, when uh, being in school, the teachers would 
try to make copies of, of <laughs> yes. a, a test, right? And yes. I forgot this machine, but it, you, you you take it and it would you would roll it around and, and <laughs> it would you know there's the there's the paper with the, uh, the the test on it, but there was some chemical that went around uh, with it as well, and it's really strong chemical smell. And I mean, if you think about that and where we are today, that's it's really seems like horse and buggy days compared to where we are. It sure does. I, now. I think they were called. Uh, I'm sure they had some technical name. They're like duplicating machines or something like that. But they turned the, that knob and they put the 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 chemical inside of it and they turned that thing and and those things would feel damp and wet if they had just done it and stuff like this and, oh, yeah, and you so see funny. you see kids sniffing the test <laughs> You're like, yeah, you gotta, exactly. give me that thing what are you doing oh, dude anyway <laughs> um yes yeah, so those are interesting days but you know just like the the overhead projector and the the big real um uh, movie projector the reel to reel where they put the big reel on the thing and uh you know right. and and now we've moved into this world of streaming that uh you know because we went through the video the vhs and all that sort of stuff but the amazing thing is how much is out there that uh you know if you have the connectivity the you know the what the the different devices we have today can help you in the streaming world so that you can actually yeah well, and do like we're doing i mean you're out you're out west and I'm in the South and yep. doing pretty good yeah. right now. So um, good stuff. I, I, all right. So let's get on to what Olivia is. Tell us what it is. Yeah. So we, <clears throat> we started Olivia uh, to address a very key issue in the U S and worldwide, by, by, by the way, worldwide, there's about a billion students that don't have access to viable broadband. But when I first learned about how big the issue is in the U- U.S., I was actually flabbergasted. I mean, literally realizing that this issue address this issue is in every single state, uh, no matter where you go. And in fact, right in Silicon Valley, um, you drive 40 miles over to the coast in Half Moon Bay and Pascadero, there are 4,000 students that struggle with internet. And, wow. and you go further south to past San Jose in the, in the problems. And so in California alone, for example, there's 1.5 million students that struggle with Internet connectivity. Wow. Texas, 1. Uh, 1.7 million. Mm-hmm. Georgia, there's half a million students that struggle with uh, Internet connectivity. So just about everywhere you look, there is this problem. And as you know, we were discussing earlier on, you know, COVID was the point when everybody started realizing how bad the issue was as these schools moved towards a digital format and getting and trying to access, you know, a different uh, medium uh, to present to students and realizing that, you know, 40% of students don't have access to viable broadband. And, and, and it really was a eye opener to me. And so we looked at, you know, you know, developing a platform that doesn't require broadband to deliver digital resources. Once that thought came together, we realized we could do this and we can do it inexpensively and we can do it for every student across the U.S. And once we realized that we're able to create this platform that works both online and offline, um, then we realized the power of what we can do because the platform itself And, you know, from a a technological perspective, it takes a playbook out of 
you know, let's say the credit card industry, Visa, right? You've got these payment terminals. They are in rural, uh, you know, retailers. They work offline. All the software, everything you're doing in calculations and swiping the card, all that stuff is online. The only time they go online is when they want to move data up and back down. And so that same logic is what we've done with Olivia. So we have a device. Um, it, we, it's issued to a student. The device works just like a Wi-Fi hotspot, but it's not connected to the Internet. It also has storage on the device. And so what we do is we store all the content that the teachers are creating through their learning management systems and then create a library of content, videos, podcasts, and eBooks that, that are either directly aligned with the subject matters or we're looking at how we engage students with content and information that they may be interested in. And so the idea here is to make sure that um, we deliver what the school wants and, and, and the teachers are developing and then adding value around the content. So we can do things like you know, providing career-focused uh, content um, or adding advanced courses that the local community colleges are offering, uh, workforce development programming. And so all of those things allow us to, you know, this platform allows us to deliver those things. And what we're doing is going above beyond what the teachers are delivering in, in wanting to ensure that they, the students are doing their homework assignments, et cetera. But we're adding value by opening up this other content that really is important for these students. You know, for example, financial literacy programs. We hear about wanting to, to add that channel of content on our device. So long story short, we can take this content, we can put it on a device, it's called Olivia. That device can be deployed anywhere. Student takes their laptop, logs onto it, just like a hotspot, and then what they see is their homework assignments and this channel of content, and again, videos, podcasts, eBooks, workbooks, doesn't matter to us. We really echo what the school wants on those devices and what the students can have access on that device. That's so cool because this is a long way from having a modem plugged into the wall and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and a, yeah. a 386 or 486. Go, it's booting up, man. We get, um, that's a far cry from that. That, that. This is awesome. And just the, just the whole thing, the thought that it has the content in it and it's sitting there waiting for you to access it to be able to do your homework. I, I think that's just an amazing uh, amazing yeah, and I there. think one of the, the elements that we made sure uh, that was incorporated in the technology is the fact that the students can have access to their homework. They then can do their homework, right? They can upload a paper, whatever they, the teacher is instructing them to do as part of the assignment. And for the worst case scenario, for the students that don't have any internet at home whatsoever, they can bring that device back to school, plug it into a hub in the classroom, it uploads the homework and downloads any new content that's curated during the period that device has been offline. Now, if students have, you know, uh, let's say DSL at home, um, they can plug in the device and then it'll automatically update uh, behind the scenes. But, you know, what's interesting here is that even with students that may have some internet connectivity at home, it's still a problem, right? You can have uh, your brothers and sisters on the internet along with your mom and dad trying to work, do work, all of a sudden, that network is overwhelmed and the performance is uh, below par. So you don't have to worry about that with Olivia, right? When you plug it in, and the only thing the student's going to have access to is the content that's being curated for them. And one other benefit that comes out of that is it's a walled garden. 
So when they log on to it and they're into looking at uh, the assignments and their and the uh, content, the fact that they can't go off to YouTube and start looking at and being distracted by going off in other areas, it literally is designed for the education in uh, you know, the school districts and what they're trying to deliver and the experiences that they're trying to make. And my point here is that, you know, with these initiatives with ISPs, it's great that you can get internet, but it's really education is a subset of what they're delivering. And we're focused in on the number one issue for why you, know, you want to drive broadband into a community is education and creating what resources those schools are investing in and, you know, making sure that that's being deployed for all students, whether they've got internet connectivity or not. I love that. And, you know, I gotta, I gotta ask you, cause you, you're talking about how, you, you know, putting this together and what it does and all this, um, what developed the initiative for making Olivia real? I mean, there are a lot of ideas out there, but they never, you know, go beyond the idea or just some sort of model or something like that. How did it actually become a thing? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I, I, you know, this is uh, kind of the environment I grew up in, right? Uh, as I was you know, early in my career, I worked for uh, Visa, the credit card company, and um, I worked in the innovation group. So our group was looking at how we either took new services to a market and establishing that or work with technology companies to implement technologies that would help propagate more transactions in, in, a, in, a, in a vertical. And so I got the bug then. I realized that I really love uh, innovation because it's hard. Um, you know, to take a concept and actually deliver it requires a lot of focus, a lot of energy and investment. And so I could see companies both struggle and be successful. And so, you know, as I was looking further into my career, um, I really decided I wanted to do something, right? I, I really wanted to see how I could go out and deliver uh, a service or technology that had an impact. And so I got the bug in Silicon Valley, you know, this is where I was living at the time and ended up, you know, as you do working for startups. And so I worked for a handful of startups and then as things evolved and, you know, the idea of Olivia really came out of the COVID, right? Realizing very quickly that when COVID showed up, um, that I started focusing in on what the problems were as I was hearing about them and realizing it all was all, all about data. I realized how big the problem was and nobody seemed to be addressing the problem as we were trying to address it uh, in developing the platform. So it, it really is kind of a, you know, how did I get here? Well, you know, uh, it, it's, it's an interesting road and always is. That's cool. That's I appreciate you talking about that because I know it's, it's it's a complicated process, but it's just it's awesome to to think about an idea of becoming real, and uh, especially when uh, it it takes time and effort to to make it get to there. And and one of the things I wanted to ask you is, so did you have to did you have to seek outside uh, um, funding to help bring Olivia to market? I mean, how did did or was it just a combination of uh, people working on it that were able to make it happen? And this is a trick question because any startup needs and requires capital, right? right so the right. question is, where is that capital coming from? And, you know, and I think in today's environment, which is a, a challenging environment, to be frank, um, the access to seed capital uh, is something that you really have to work hard at um, because there's so much noise in the marketplace about everything else going on. 
Um, and so we started the company, um, and we were fortunate to work with a philanthropic group that helped. They saw the vision, and they helped uh, initially fund some of those along with us bootstrapping the company, i.e. investing in our own resources. Um, but, you know, what, what's exciting to me is that I, you know, as I started Olivia, I didn't realize that Olivia really, in my mind, has become a mission, right? We're solving a real problem. We've had some great stories about how this is already impacting students. And so my focus now is looking at working with groups uh, of investors that are really mission-focused as well, right? Looking to help solve real problems in the industry. And so we're in that transition of looking at and reaching out to a network of investors, either seed capital or um, uh, in the BC arena that are aligned with what we're trying to do. And so we've gotten some really great feedback and interest. And so at this point, we're you know, at, at the prefaces, I mean, at the moment in time, ready to go to that next level um, and expand the products and services throughout the U.S. I love that. It's, you know, it's uh, uh, it's just a kind of a, and I appreciate you going there because it's just an amazing thing to hear the, the kind of like those processes and how you have to, um, you know, trying to f- find the people that can help help you make it happen, I guess is my point, that uh, yeah. will help see the the you know, see the direction, see the vision type of thing. So uh, good stuff. I, all right. So, you know, you've talked about some of his capabilities. It has a lot of capabilities. I mean, like the, you know, being able to, to work offline. Um, you want to talk about some of the others? I mean, you know, just how, how that works. Yeah. Steven. So this is interesting because we were focused on a problem. And then what we found is the use cases extend and keep growing, right. Uh, In terms of how this, technology is addressing other issues. And so when we looked at, um, you know, the, the core focus, it was ensuring students act, had access to digital resources at home. Um, but what we found is that uh, we started talking to schools, you know, there's a school in Hawaii and they had, uh, and this is actually something that is nationwide, but absenteeism, right? And how could this play a role in absenteeism in that we could provide a student with a device. They can go, you know, they, they don't have to show up to school, but they can continue to do their assignments and engage with content and look at other resources they have access to, to help them. And what we found is that once they have the device and they're engaged, they actually start coming back to school because they have to upload the homework. And, you know, we had a story where, um, unfortunately one of the, the students, uh, she, she got pregnant and then went and had the baby, but the principal was trying to see how she got her back in the school. Fortunately, she had an Olivia device and out of the blue, she shows up, says, I've done all my homework here. Yeah, I want to upload my homework and I want to, to uh, continue to work on, on graduating. And so she came back to school once or twice a week, uploaded the homework, got new assignments and ended up graduating. And the principal told us that without Olivia, she probably would not have uh, graduated uh, that year. Cool. So, you know, th- this is where I think we have you know, some really interesting impact. But we're also looking at um, how do we, uh, and again, we're being asked to do some of this, is offering workforce development. So for students that are not uh, higher ed bound uh, and college bound, 
then looking at how we get workforce development programming at the high school level uh, where they can start you know, engaging with either getting certificates or understanding what it takes to get a certificate in a certain area. So that's an exciting area that we see and a lot of interest around that. Other areas, for example, financial literacy. Um, we This is probably very high on the list, but we can also provide programming around financial literacies and we're working with various different institutions to help provide the programming, in some cases underwriting the, the content as well. And so the other thing was really just looking to see how um, uh, our platform really provides access to resources for local community initiatives. And we realized that this is not about us. It's not about you know the state. It's about the communities that we're serving. And so they have you know, great content that's being created locally that can also be incorporated in on the device. And again, focused in on how you engage students and making that productive for both the students and giving teachers essentially uh, content that they couldn't find themselves because they just don't have enough time and adding those resources on top of the platform. So that's kind of where we are and what we can do. And the exciting part is, again, you know, we walk into a school and they said, hey, can you do these things, right? Can you add AP courses or advanced courses from the local community college so that students that are struggling to access those courses can now have access to those courses where they don't have access to that content because they're offline. You know, and so that's where this gets very exciting for us is that this is really not about us, but how we curate this, what I would call education network that's a private network designed for the school district to be deployed and works anywhere and for any student in those environments. That's so awesome. And, you know, it's, you know, one of the things we were chit-chatting about before we started recording was that, you know, during mm-hmm. COVID, uh, especially I know where I was located um, in rural parts of uh, South Georgia, the, uh, um, they had to provide, uh, they had this device that went on a bus and they drove it um, to a giant part, uh, church parking lots across these right. different counties and uh, people would uh, be able to come to that area and hook into the internet. And, and, you know, one of the things that, and then work on their assignments and so forth with these um, devices, Chromebooks and things like that. And, and uh, um, you know, why, why is connectivity so important? I mean, what, I mean, cause we've really learned a huge lesson in those days, if you're paying attention, because uh, suddenly we realized that we had a lot of kids and families that when they, when they answered surveys and said things like, yes, we have connectivity, they were actually talking about, you know, a cell phone or something like that, not really using it for right. this type of thing. So, yeah, this is this is the heart of the issue, right? So I'll give you an example. You know, years ago, I used to get magazines, you know, and, you know, had a whole <laughs> stack of magazines yes. that I would read and engage with, newspapers, et cetera. That doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and when I went to the show in London recently, um, I saw all of the major textbook publishers in the education space. I did not see one book, Stephen, not one. What uh-huh. I did see is all digital, digital platforms and how they personalize content using AI, you know, different ways to, to help schools build a, a digital platform. And so I had an interesting conversation with one of the executives at the show. And I said, what does five years down the road look like? And he said, you'd be hard pressed to find books. Why? Because the world is very dynamic. As you know, 
you know, certain states can uh, apply certain standards, right, that are unique to that that state. Well, guess what? If I'm a, a textbook publisher and that's in print and they change what the standards are, I have to go print a new book. Yes. So how do you how do you address this? You have to do it digitally, right? But you know the the bottom line is well, what, you know what does digital uh, resources do for students? Well, the research shows that students that have access to the digital resources um, are outperforming students that don't have digital resources, and that's everything from grade point average to attending higher ed, and so. What the research is pointing to in the way I uh, read it was that when a student is struggling with something, they can get on YouTube, go find a video nowadays, and it can explain, you know, how this, uh, you know, how to answer these problems. So that, you know, there, there is that resource. And for those students that don't have access to those resources and can't go search the Internet, what do you do, right? You are at a disadvantage. And I think as you're moving this forward, the schools really need to think about what their digital strategies are. And that digital strategy doesn't mean you've got laptops and Wi-Fi. Digital strategy needs to incorporate the digital resources that are riding on top of those networks and how those are being positioned and how those students can benefit from that. And so, again, this is where Olivia plays an interesting role because we're able to help curate content. So if we know you're a sixth grade math teacher. We already know what curriculum you're teaching, the standards the state has uh, applied to it. Why do you need to spend 20 minutes looking for a video when we already have sourced all that content for you and you can pick a video on rational numbers, apply it to the homework assignment, and then point the students to the library to explore further, whether that's videos, podcasts, ebooks, whatever that is, to absorb more information around the subject matter. So that's the beauty, I think, of Way, the way we've packaged this is really looking at not only, you know, how does digital impact students, but also how does it create more efficiency for the teachers that are using these digital formats and being able to distribute that out to students. And we saw an opportunity to reduce that overhead and, and increase productivity for the, the teachers and then to get those students more engaged in areas of interest. And, and the research shows the more those students are engaging, the more they're going to walk away learning something. Yeah, it's it, and it's so important. I mean, I, I just it where we've come from, and where we are now in such really a quick amount of time. And, and it, it, you know, if you don't have access to it, it's obviously putting you behind. Then, and uh, you have no knowledge yeah. of how to use it and so forth like that. So, good stuff. I mean. It, all right. So, how is it? How is Olivia marketed and sold? And what I really mean is, is it the? Is are you talking to entire school systems? Are you talking to individual schools? Are you talking with communities instead to uh, uh, make it accessible? Uh, yes, to all of those. But yeah. I mean, let me clarify okay. <laughs> because you know what I see is it, it is a you know we're focusing on school districts, right, and calling on on those districts, understanding what their challenges are. And then, you know, making sure that we uh, configure and support those challenges. And so it's interesting because originally we were just focused in on delivering our solution for those students that were disconnected. What we're finding is the schools are wanting to deploy it for all students. Why? Because of the walled garden, the higher quality of, of experience, the curated content that comes along with it. 
And so that's really been interesting from that perspective. But on the flip side, you know, school districts and teachers and the whole environment, you know this, Stephen, extremely busy. So is digital equity number one on a school superintendent's mind? No, to be frank, it's not. Um, I, you know, it may be number five or maybe within the top 10, but, you know, it, it, so the question is, what can this technology do to help solve some other real pressing issues, you know, absenteeism and other things that we think we can have an impact on? So the way we position this is really about understanding the problems the schools are, are up against and how this solution may fit in to help create a seamless way for them to distribute content and, and a great way to engage those students. And so I think those are some really uh, key, key components. But we also realize that this is a top-down strategy as well. So not only calling on school districts, but we are working with the states, right, and looking at how we work with the education departments, uh, DOE uh, in, in various different states, that look at this and realize that this platform could be an education network for all students in the state. Why is that important? Because then the state can ensure the standards are being deployed and supported throughout the state. Uh, data analytics that gives the, both the schools and superintendents and the state more insight to how students are consuming, engaging with content. And you know, you know, the budgets are coming from this, the top end, right? So the governor's office and the, the DOE. So we have a strategy in calling on that end of the business uh, to just make sure that policies and we understand those and how we align with what the legislature is doing, as well as how that fits into DOE and ultimately being distributed down to the school district. So it really you have to balance those two things out, whether we're calling on school districts or and or calling in on the education departments really understanding those two environments and then bringing those together to be successful with our, our, our way we uh, address a market. Very cool. All right. So if you had a chance to talk with a massive group of nothing but superintendents, all right, school system superintendents, all right, there, and you're trying to uh, get them to understand um, why they want to be using Olivia Technologies, what would you be telling them? What's that thing you would want them to remember when they left out of that, that auditorium? Yeah. So there are a couple of key factors, I think, that are really important for superintendents. Um, one is we look to simplify the process of managing digital resources inside a school. Um, and funny enough, we were asked for whether Olivia could work inside a classroom, right? Because if you put Olivia inside the classroom, you're reducing the bandwidth overhead that the school has to pay for and or struggles with, right? And so, you know, there are a lot of different pockets of issues that, that start looking at, and it's very complicated uh, in terms of how you deploy a digital technology within the school. And so my, my point to superintendents is we help round out your digital strategy, right? We're looking at all aspects of how that digital resources are deployed, uh, curated, and managed with inside the school district and inside the classroom as well as outside the classroom. And so, you know, we developed this so that the IT person doesn't have to spend, you know, hours and hours and hours uh, configuring devices. We take care of all that. We literally, it's, you know, you turn on, we deliver devices and issue those devices to students. So it's the simplicity of that. 
but it goes, uh, you know, the other element here is what is your digital strategy as a superintendent and how is that playing out? And so, again, looking at how Olivia is helping you either source those digital resources. So, for example, you know, we're working with Oxford Press uh, that is looking to create a, a library of content that goes above and beyond what a single school district could negotiate on their own, right? And being able to deliver a higher quality experience for those students. Um, but the other things that those superintendents have to worry about, whether that is ensuring these teachers are, uh, you know, complying to the standards that the states might apply, um, that, again, looking at other challenges related to, um, you know, absenteeism, uh, to build a better solution for students to, to engage with higher ed and, and the community, uh, local community colleges, and then workforce development programming on top of this as well. So we're doing all that and delivering that solution and making it easier for the superintendents, their staff, the curriculum design uh, group to have a platform that's really theirs, right? And they can create it, they can uh, curate it, they can deploy it anywhere for any student. And so I would say that's, you know, that's my message to superintendents. Uh, that this is really your network, not ours, and we work with you to create that uh, solution. Very nice, appreciate it. Yeah, that, you know, it's uh, when we're uh, you know talking uh, about uh, you know, that for the most part in many systems, they're going to be the ones that you're going to inspire to go. Yeah, we got to make sure this happens. And you know, the, the world I came from and am in now. I mean, many of the superintendents learn um, who uh, who have the CDL license can drive a bus. We're driving those buses, and they'd yep. love to know that they were delivering uh, something that actually had uh, um, the capabilities like you're talking about, which would be that uh, here's the homework and here's the exact stuff instead of all instead of the <laughs> all this other stuff that's going to distract you from getting that stuff done. So, right. It's it's about it's simplifying it, right? And right. As we you know we're talking about before we got on the, on the podcast. It's like what your cell phone does, right? You don't know how it works. Right. You just know that it works and it creates real productivity in terms of access to emails and you know messaging and all these great things. And that's our focus. You know, you don't have to worry about how Olivia works. We're delivering the end result, which is a better experience both for the teachers and for the students. And that's that's where our focus is. Very cool. Uh, so, so Ryan, how does someone uh, uh, school system or or school? Um, how do they start off? How do they engage? Where, where would you send them to get started um, to try and uh, talk with yeah, you guys I about? Mean, yeah, so, so for for school uh, superintendents or uh, the staff that may be interested in looking at our solution, they can reach out in different ways. We have uh, on LinkedIn, Olivia, uh, Olivia Technologies. Um, there is uh, information there, and they can also uh, enter their information to reach out to us. But you know, I'm a people person. I love engaging. <laughs> and so, you know, we've got the ability to go to our website and engage us that way. But I also say that they can engage us through our, our you know, sending us an email. Uh, they can reach us at marketing.olivia.education. Uh, um, and they can also reach out to me personally. I'd be more than happy to, to speak with them. And that my email is ryan at olivia.education. Um, and so uh, those are some of the ways that they can reach out and learn more. 
about what we're up to and how they can use our uh, system. So, you know, our website does, you know, give them uh, more details about how that works as well. Very cool. And I'll have that information in the show notes so it makes it easy to find and link to. So uh, good stuff. All right. So, uh, Ryan, before we finish up, I've got a couple of questions that I want to ask you that are just I like to ask my guests. And the first one is this, um, you know, how do you overcome the feeling that so much is going on that you may want to quit or give up? <laughs> well, Stephen, you don't know me. I don't quit very easily. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. Look, I'm telling you, uh, any startup uh, has its ups and downs, and you really have to have some tenacity and some mental mental focus because nothing ever works out the way you want it to. Um, And so I think you focus in on what you're trying to do and the impact that you're going to have. And believe me, that's what drives me. Like I said, Stephen, before, um, you know, I wouldn't have found myself in the education space, you know, four years ago. If you told me this, I would say, what? <laughs> but as I saw a problem, wanted to solve it, realized we could solve it. And I have now become extremely passionate about the impact that we can have uh, on the industry in, in a unique way. And so I'm, you know, that's what's driving me. And every day I get off another phone call saying, wow, that was a great conversation. And realizing that, what we're doing is starting to resonate and how we can change the market. Because to be frank right now, the marketplace, you're being held hostage by broadband. It's not the fault of, you know, AT&T or Verizon, but literally you cannot implement a digital strategy unless you have broadband. And if half of your school can't connect, that's really limiting how those resources can be delivered. And so, you know, Again, this is what's driving me. The fact that I know we can solve this problem, that we have a really good solution to go uh, down this path, and also learning um, about the industry and knowing how passionate the superintendents are and how passionate uh, and dedicated the teachers are. I mean, that's really mind-blowing to hear some of the stories about the teachers. And so, again, it really adds a lot of energy to me when I think we can have those conversations, seeing how excited the teachers are getting about what we do, excited about how the students are reacting to what we're doing and knowing that we can have a real impact. So I think that's really the key and in, in, in what's driving me and what's going to continue to drive me in this space. Thanks for sharing. That's so cool. And I like your first day, the first part of the answer, which is, oh, I don't I don't think you don't know me very well. I don't quit. I don't quit. You know, it's like <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. I like that. Hey, last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say, thank you? You know, Stephen, this is really interesting because I think if you ask anybody, uh, was there a teacher in their life that had an impact? Uh, you would absolutely say, yes. I, I, I remember actually several teachers, right? And why is that? Because I think the teachers, when you find teachers that really engage and care about you and are really either trying to push you a little harder to to have better outcomes, right? And telling you that you've got the capabilities of doing something and being good at it, right? That's what's really important. And that's really long lasting. And, you know, what I'll say is, most recently, right, it's not me, but my son, you know, was going through high school, 
And, you know, as you get into high school, you're wondering, okay, the pressure's on. What am I going to do? You know, what kind of degree am I going to do or what kind of work am I going to? And that, that's a lot of pressure for somebody at that age. This is where I think the impact really happens. And in his case, he had a teacher. He took a course in environmental science. And this, I could tell immediately as he got into the course, he really, the light bulbs were going off. And ultimately, that's where he ended up saying, I, wanted, I, I want to pursue a degree in this area because I can see, again, how this might change my life and how interested I am in it. That's why it is so important for teachers to really go that extra step to engage with students and knowing that just a little push and a little you know, encouragement goes a long way for any student that you want to, you know, that light bulb go off and, and head down that path. That's so cool. Uh, good stuff. I, you know, it's uh, impact that other people have on our lives all through, you know, whether they're formerly a teacher or not, just is uh, that teacher role is so, you know, if, if you let them, because there are some kids who don't. <laughs> and yes, that's kids, it comes down the road, but uh, um, yeah. awesome stuff. I, Ryan, thank you so much for sharing about Olivia Technologies. Connectivity is so important and being able to bring it to the people who don't have it um, and where it's it's scarce and far between is so important. What an awesome tool. And uh, I wish you the best in all you do. Stephen, thank you for the opportunity to share the story and uh, really enjoyed the conversation and look forward to maybe another time as we're progressing. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.